<laughs> we always get up to this point of the week and have absolutely, we'd look at each other and go, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> I was just looking at the floor and then looked up and you're looking at me with a grin on your face like, ah, we're good to go. <laughs> All right. It's episode eight of Parked Up and I'm Grant and we are with Tony. Yeah, I'm Tony. How's your week been, Grant? Great. It's been <laughs> excellent. Can't wait. What for? I'm not sure. We actually heard some good news very recently from Scott Morrison about uh, how we might not be uh, as parked up for as long as we as long as we thought. Man, it's been a big couple of months, hasn't it? Well, it's been, it when has. I say, when I say big, it's been big on my couch. <laughs> it's been completely different as we've spoken about each episode. Uh, but you know, there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone's feeling more comfortable. Uh, everyone's done a great job. But uh, you know. As the restrictions uh, start to lift, we've still got to be careful, we've got to be cautious. We don't want this thing to spike again. We don't want to see ourselves in trouble and have to go back into some sort of lockdown. So it's all positive, but you know, hopefully everyone does the right thing. Now, Grant, today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there listening. And hopefully there is a hell of a lot of them. Hundreds of thousands, I've got no doubt. <laughs> Special day for the, for the women in our lives. Uh, so for myself, Steph, and my mother, Christine. Nana Chris. Yeah, Nana Chris. Uh, so she plays a pretty big role in both our families, really. Yeah, definitely. Always helpful and looking after children and always there to help uh, whenever we need that little bit of assistance with our families. I did have a little story though, and I wanted to ask you as well, but I'll, I'll just quickly uh, touch up my story. The first time or first memory that I have in a, an, in a go-kart or in a racing environment that I remember my mum visiting the circuit. Now we're at New Merca. Yep. And New Merca is a really cool little track and sort of a country circuit. And mum thought she'd come up for the weekend to come and support me. And then she doesn't. She she never used to come to all the races. She'd get too nervous. Okay, and this race meeting certainly didn't help because it was a reverse grid. Went really well in the first race. Started the second race right down the back, and there was three of us that were quite fast. And the lights gone out. And we've all taken off, and rolling start. And my two main competitors. I can't exactly remember who they were, but uh, they were obviously quite fast as well. And they've gone around the outside so inside and outside of the train of go-karts and i've decided to go down the middle so technically we're five wide okay so you can tell this isn't going to go real good you know and that was slightly ahead of me so as they were coming past the carts that they were passing those guys go oh give me a bit of room but i'm in the middle so i've been just sandwiched in the middle like the like a delicious pickle right in the middle like a delicious pickle, uh, been sandwiched. And obviously with the go-karts, your wheels are hanging outside your, your side pods and they're pretty vulnerable. So I've clipped wheels and just gone airborne, like flown through the air, done a massive cartwheel. And my mum is watching on the exit of turn one on the side of the track. It's basically her first go-kart race that she'd been to. And she sees me flying through the air, falling out of the go-kart. You know, luckily I wasn't too injured. Uh, but the, the first person I remember seeing me was my mum. So she got there before the ambulance. So she basically broke every rule that you know parents should abide by at a racetrack. You know, leave it to the professionals, the ambulance, you know, the people there that take care. Nah, as soon as mum saw that, she jumped the fence, ran across the circle while the race was still green, 
just to make sure I was okay. Now that that's that's a typical mum, isn't it? That's perfect. That's beautiful. I can just imagine. <laughs> I can honestly just imagine her doing that. Did she smack the other boys for <laughs> tipping you upside down? She would have for sure. She can get very feisty. That's for sure. <laughs> I think at the time she was just worried about uh, my health and making sure I was okay. And I remember her asking me straight after, you know, do you want to race, you know, this next race? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It's all good. I'm, I'm all good, you know. So the, ax- the axle's <laughs> at a at a ninety degree. <laughs> yeah, dad's out the back trying to bend this go kart back into uh, out of its uh, banana shape. But uh, yeah, that was my first memory of mum coming to a racetrack. And needless to say, she probably didn't come to a few after that. And funnily enough, she's more comfortable with me racing a supercar or a TCR car, something with a roof on it even though we're going twice as fast and uh, the drivers are probably more aggressive than ever. She feels more comfortable that the safety is higher when really it's probably uh, very similar to when I was racing back in go-karts. But if that makes her sleep at night, then I'm happy with that. Tell me about your early motorsport mother story. Come yeah, on. Yeah, my racing stuff was mainly just dad and I doing the karting. Mum and um, my brother and sister who are a little bit younger than me, you know, there's a, a, a nice gap. So they didn't really come to the track too much. Uh, they certainly did come. When I think about mum and racing, there's one one story that is, is kind of cool and I kind of really didn't like her on this day. <laughs> so dad would always kick us out for the Bathurst 1000. Mm. Always, always, His always. Day. His day. He just that, doesn't that's want his kids day. running around. Yep. That's right. I that was his it. day. So Bathurst used to always fall right in the school holidays. Uh, so we would be holidaying at our cousin's place or we'd go and see my grandparents or what, whatever the case. Yep. On that uh, Sunday in October, not a chance that we were we were at home and Dad was doing his thing. And I eventually convinced Dad one year to, um, to allow me to do it only because it came in the 1993 to his 1000 where we went to my grandparents place and we were we hung out there for the day and um and i was uh, just starting to really really get into the sport i would have only been 12 and i'd watched the race at my grandparents place 35 laps to go and uh scafey i think it was scafey or jim i can't remember in the winfield commodore who was chasing down larry perkins in the last stint the, the race was coming to that big crescendo, uh, you know, final pit stops and whatever. Commodores had a- absolutely killed ev- everyone. So mm-hmm. the race was really good and getting up to that big moment of the race and mum says, okay, cool. Well, we may as well uh, jump in the car so we can get home just after the race finish and you, your dad will be will be happy. And I said, mum, you can't, cannot be serious. You can't, we, we can't leave right now. Like the race is, it, it's... As Neil Cromden would say, it's, it's about to go off. Yes. And you're telling me I'm going to have to go sit in a car for 45 minutes, an hour. And, and, and there wasn't social media back then or, you know, log into your Foxtel account on your phone and watch the last few laps. No, not even uh, – I, I remember trying to tune into the – I fought I fought to, to try and stay at my grandparents to watch the end of this race. And I, if anyone knows my mum, I would, definitely did not win that battle. I tried to tune into the radio to get some updates. There was nothing going on. Uh, and uh, I missed the end of a, uh, a, a classic to his 1000 as it was back then. So like those scars have lived with me for a long time. And I actually said to dad when I got home, 
I'm not missing this next race. I'm going to stay. Yeah. I'm watching it with you. And, and did, he said no at the time. Right. But I did get to stay with him for the 94 race, which was also another classic, uh, won by Dick Johnson and our good friend John Bell. So did you come up with any sort of deal with your dad, like, Dad, I'll get you beers, I'll make sure you got cheese and crackers, you know, like... Well, I was only 13, so I wasn't really thinking about beers No, no, but you get much. him beers, though. Yeah, I look. I I probably I probably did. Yeah, it was it was a um, that '94 race was mm. a real big moment for him to have other people. Or I think he did actually watch it from time to time with other friends. But I, knowing him, he just would have liked to have sat there mm. just by himself mm-hmm. and just watch. Yeah. And just watch the race. So for him to uh, allow me to sit there and, and watch it with him in 94, it was like we'd uh, taken a big, big step in the, uh, in the family relations. <laughs> how good, how good. I was actually fortunate enough when I was younger to, my uncle used to take me to, the, to Bathurst most years. And we used to go and camp up the top of the mountain. And that was sort of my first introduction to, to motorsport. Wow, and you still wanted yeah. to continue in the sport having camped <laughs> up there? It was wild back then. Yeah, oh yeah. It was crazy. I remember being absolutely scared shitless when at the top of the mountain they used to have like uh, an area where they do donuts. And this was... I can't believe they cordoned off an area yeah. where you could take your old shitbox yep. and purposely destroy it. It was, it was scary, honestly. It was dark. And I, just, I have this vision in my in my mind about just seeing the headlights going around and then coming back and going around and dust. And it was really wild up the top of the mountain at that time. And to see it now, it is quite a bit different. Yeah, it has to be right a little things. bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It has to be a little bit more family friendly. But yeah, yeah there are some pretty cool, cool stories. I mean, we're getting it off track a little bit as we no, do. No, I do like it how we wanted to talk about our mums and we did yes. that for a little bit. And then we're just quickly <laughs> going back to race cars. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, you'd, you'd walk across the top of the mountain and even if you're with your mum or with your sister or whoever it was, it didn't matter, honestly, if you were a female, every bloke would ask you to pull your top up and see what you got underneath. Like, that's just the way it was back then. It was crazy. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's just incredible. And it's still great to go up to the top of the mountain at the last 1,000, even the 12-hour. The you've always just got to find that that time to mm. go up to the top. I know as a, as a driver, you probably don't get to do no. it. And I actually look forward to that time with my family, hoping to go and watch the race you know, after. Let's, let's hope there's a few more years in me just yet. But going to watch the race and enjoy that side of it because I've got really fond memories as a, as a child growing up, not only watching on TV with my dad and actually getting to go there and camp and be part of it all. And, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Anyway, we're getting off track, aren't we? No, that was. I let's, don't know. Let's that, talk that, is about... as, that is as close to the track as I'd uh, <laughs> I'd ever like to be talking about that joint. Let's talk about episode number eight of Parked Up. You're listening to it right now. That is correct. Now it's basically our two month anniversary. So have you got me anything? I got you absolutely. Actually, you got me a couple of beers, a couple of beers, and a toasted sandwich. That's not bad. Perfect. What more could you want for our eighth anniversary? No, no, that's great. Thank you. So who have we got on today's show, mate? Because I said after last week, and last week was a big show, but I said, I just feel like for episode number eight and it's Mother's Day, we need a massive show. I think we've got it as well. We've got three guests lined up. Let's hope that they answer their phones. Yes. But we've got uh, TCR Australia Renault driver, your factory rival, James mm. Moffat. Yep. Of the famous Moffats. 
who's going to join us and talk a little bit about his TCR program and we can ask him how he's, he's been, a, been going in isolation. Yeah, he's been a bit quiet, you know, like he hasn't been getting involved in the iRacing stuff. I haven't really seen a huge amount of posts uh, other than a little bit of Renault stuff at his house. Renault and Renault, nice. <laughs> so he's been really quiet. He's been, I think, using this time maybe just to reconnect with the family a little bit. Be good to catch up with him. George Medici too. George, we've got gorgeous George, the uh, the mayor of Port Macquarie. I've yeah. got uh, I've got no doubt. He's a handsome fella, is, isn't he? And so very tall. I think very if, intimidating. Uh, if Steph and I hadn't met when I, we were like sixteen, we've been together a long time. She would have dated George. She loves George, honestly. Yeah. I don't yep. know if it's the height or the eyes or <laughs> the hair or I don't know, but she's got a real soft spot for him. Yep. No, he's he's got it all going on. He drives in the National Trans Am Series under the ARG banner, so we'll grab him. And he's also been doing a, uh, a pretty good job in the car sales ARG eSport Cup as well. So uh, he's definitely kept his hand in. And uh, we are going to wrap the show up with the man that they call Crusher, Brett Murray, the founder of Speed Cafe, my former employer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm actually ran- surprised by this a little bit because generally, once you finish a job, you've had a bust up with your boss or something, and you know you move on to greener pastures and all that sort of chat. But obviously, you guys are still mates. Yeah, still very good mates. I love the Crush man and can't wait to speak to him and uh we can ask him some questions he's always got a uh, tall tale to tell and a few sponsors to plug so let's <laughs> let's see how many of those he can he can tick off and put into a bit of a chat so yes tony big cast of stars i think we need to get into it let's go who do you want to go first let's go moff moff man let's get him on and the first guest for episode eight of Parked Up is James Moffat, the Renault TCR driver. James, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. Hi, boys. I've been looking forward to this all week, so uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> no worries, mate. Thanks for joining us. Look, a difficult time for, for everyone. I guess the reason initially why Tony and I started doing a podcast was because the world had, had come to a crashing halt. We're still sort of starting to see, you know, uh, the, the clouds disappearing and we can see a, a brighter future beyond. But just give us a little capture of, of your world over the past uh, seven or eight weeks. Yeah, well, you're sort of not wrong there. It's obviously um, very unique times that probably none of us uh, have ever experienced or probably more importantly, ever thought we'd experience. So, yeah, life for me has been pretty pretty busy we've got a um newborn baby daughter isla so um she's 11 weeks old so yeah thank you Amazing. so um she's been um right in the mix of it all and yeah max our son he turned three only a few weeks ago so we did our best to give him as good a birthday as we could with um without the actual birthday party for a three-year-old so that was a little disappointing but i think you know the good thing went there especially Max at his age. He doesn't know what's going on by the way. So um, uh, dad's just been around home a bit bit more often than I uh, normally would have. So he thinks it's great. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't think I've, uh, certainly at this time of year, I don't think I've seen my kids or my wife as, as much as I ever thought I would. Usually we're hanging out at all those glorious places like, you know, Winton, Winton. Winton Motor Raceway, <laughs> Queensland Raceway, <laughs> all of the spectacular venues that we that we get to go to. Look, it's a shame that we haven't been racing, but of course, um, uh, it's uh, the silver lining is that there has been a, a little bit of extra home time. How have how have yourself and Leah dealt with the you know that uh, isolation? 
Well, I can tell you one thing, mate. Thank Christ we've still been able to get out for uh, a little bit of exercise and some walks with the kids because otherwise um, we might have been down at the divorce court. I don't know. but um... <laughs> we're, all the, we're all the same. We're all the same. But, uh, yeah, no, being able to get out for uh, an hour or so a day for a walk with the kids has sort of meant that we've kept some sanity. So, yeah, I think, you know, all in all, they're obviously really challenging times for everybody. And, you know, we're, we've... I think we've been doing well. So um, you just got to adapt to what's in front of you. And obviously the way that the calendar would have been for the start of the year, it was quite a busy start to the year. And, you know, Tony and myself and even you, Grant, we would have been away from home quite a bit up until um, up until now. So uh, that's definitely been different and an, an adjustment, but everybody's in it. So uh, no point complaining about it. Just got to get on with it. Exactly. Well, look, speaking of adjustments, I guess it was a big shift for yourself uh, last year, stopping that full-time supercars racing that you'd done for, uh, I guess, what was probably almost eight or nine years that you'd you'd done that. And, uh, and, yeah, switching to uh, the more relaxed TCR Australia styles. You you linked back up with Gary Rogers Motorsport and and drove the Renault, which you were again scheduled to drive this year with the support of Renault Australia as well. Your take on the TCR Australia series and how how much the great steps that we were taking from that first year leading into this year? Yeah, well, I suppose, Grant, it goes back to probably 2018, actually. I was doing Carrera Cup, so that was my first year out of being full-time for um, supercars. So I did Prairie Cup with David Wall, Wall Racing. So, you know, that was great to sort of be able to keep my hand in something during 2018 and then do the, the supercar endurance races with, with Chaz at Tickford. And then it was towards the end of 2018 when a handful of TCR cars came into the country and I guess they sort of had, uh, you know, what has evolved into ARG sort of had their sort of soft launch for TCR. I think TD was at that day at Sydney Motorsport Park. I think it was either late November or early December 2018. And uh, TCR is a category. It always sort of been something that I'd been interested in, uh, seeing it, particularly the WTCR stuff on TV and uh, racing always looked quite exciting and close, so um, I got the opportunity to drive actually one of the Hondas on that um, <laughs> day back in 2018. Um, yeah, Tony, Tony drove a Volkswagen, you drove the wall racing Honda, and uh, everything sort of yeah. got mixed up from there. Yeah, and none of us ended up in either of those cars <laughs> that we drove on that day. So, so yeah, like the I think I probably did maybe a dozen laps and thought, oh, these things are pretty pretty fun to drive, and then. Um, I was actually still trying to do Carrera Cup in 2019, so last year, but just couldn't get together the budget, which, um, you know, those cars are ridiculously expensive to run. So um, in in the background, I was still always thinking about or looking at any opportunities that might be available in TCR and yeah, with a few weeks to go before the start of the year last year, an opportunity presented itself to return back to GRM and um, drive the, the Renault Megane. And, yeah, you know, I had a great time in the category. I, you know, it's definitely, and I'm sure TD, you will vouch for this, it's probably a bit more relaxed and not as much pressure as perhaps we may have been used to um, in the supercar scene. And for me, it was just refreshing to sort of get back to going racing for 
for the pure enjoyment of it. And, and yeah, for me, that was uh, really welcoming for me last year. And that's, you know, why I was keen to go again this year. And uh, what what we get? A couple of practice sessions and a qualifying session and a qualifying session at the Grand Prix. In, and then um, we had to pull the shoot on it all. And then you went back on holidays for a little bit. Um... Yeah, uh, we're always on holidays, aren't we, mate? Huh? <laughs> Can't tell the world that. Obviously, got the backing from Renault, and uh, I'm in a similar boat with Honda. But the Moffat name just seems to keep popping up with factory support. What's the secret, mate? Like, we, you and your old man, you must have a little uh, secret uh, herb and spices that you you roll out to <laughs> to get these deals across the line. Because it's not easy, is it? No, it certainly isn't easy. Um, and anybody in the game sort of knows how hard it is. So, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but any time you get to represent a factory or a manufacturer, it's um, definitely a, a privilege and an honour. And um, I've been fortunate to represent a few along the way. Um, obviously, Nissan in supercars and Volvo, mm. and now and now with Renault, it's definitely better to have the the backing and support of a manufacturer than not. So, and you would be experiencing the same thing with with Honda. So, I think as competitors, it's and at, for the teams, it's fantastic that there are interested manufacturers yeah. in the sport and particularly with TCR so you know it's it's a win-win situation for everyone really yeah it's been it's been a nice little journey for myself with Honda but Renault the vehicle itself is probably a little bit different to a lot of the other TCR cars I mean Honda have so many cars worldwide for you guys I think there were there's two or three is that right in the world Talk to us a little bit about the you know the development going on because Gary Rogers has actually taken a bit of a leadership role in that and trying to develop the Renault uh, not only for Australia but also globally. Yeah, so I think that's probably um, a good point that you've touched on, like and and a little bit of the challenge that we've been up against with with the Renault. Mm-hmm. There is only at the start of last year there was there was four competing in in the world, two of which were in Australia, the GRM cars, um, and then the other two from Vukovic Motorsport. So Vukovic, Malenko, who builds the uh, the Renaults in, in Switzerland, actually. So he had a couple of his cars running, but by about mid-season, both those cars ended up um, not racing. So really, basically, for the back half of last year, the only two Renaults that were competing on a global scale were the two cars out of GRM. So um, for me, it's part of the reason why I've really enjoyed driving back at GRM is the sort of the opportunity and the challenge to, to help develop the, the car because, you know, there's still a lot of things that we can do with it to um, to get to the level of performance that we think we should be able to achieve with the car and have it reliable and, and competitive all the number of different circuits that we go to. But the, the challenge for us is we just don't, uh, Renault as a manufacturer, just don't have enough cars competing globally. Whereas, you know, your likes of your Hondas, your Hyundais, the Audis, they're, they're a dime a dozen really in, in all the other global um, and national championships. So, you know, they've got a lot, lot more mm. data and uh, a lot more experience behind them. So, yeah, in many ways, this sort of enforced break might be a good thing for us because um, I know certainly the guys at GRM have still been tinkering away on a few things. So that that might help us. 
um, when we do eventually get go, get to go back racing. Yeah, I mean, we saw last year that the Renault definitely had some really good pace, but unfortunately, probably a little bit of reliability. Hopefully, you guys can get on top of those sort of uh, problems. But with Gary taking a big role in the development of and the team and yourself, uh, do you reckon that might open you up to joining the team in some overseas races or outside of Australia? Yeah, it's not something I've given too much of a consideration, if I'm honest, TD. I've been pretty sort of just focused on the stuff here um, in Australia with, with GRM and obviously then also the, the supercar endurance commitments, mm. much like yourself. So but between those two things, that, that that's sort of definitely enough for me to to be um, – you know, to, to fill my time with the other things that I have going on outside of racing. But if, you know, the opportunity did present itself to, to do some racing overseas, like any race car driver, I, I would definitely jump at, at that chance. Do, um, um, and yeah. Did Renault have factory drivers? Because I know Honda, they've got their factory team and, you know, Audi and no, all not, those boys. Not really, no. So, mm. um, you know, there was actually a, re- a very small... Not not a very small chance, but um, at the start of the year there was a some some discussions around perhaps sending myself over to Barcelona for the BOP testing yeah, um, cool. to, to drive the Renault um, in the BOP test, the balance of performance test. Um, you would have sandbagged that but, big time. Well, <laughs> you know, any. Uh, any smart driver. <laughs> well, I would have. I would have been Sam, but I would have. You know, I wouldn't have known which way to, to go. You know. True. So true. I probably would have turned turned left out of pit lane there at Barcelona and thought I was going the right way. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that 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 never happens. So we don't even have to worry about whether I would have sandbagged or not. <laughs> Now, I'm currently racing for David Wall in TCR. The Wall Dog, yep. he tells me that you call him. Is that right? Wall Dog, that's him. Wall yep. Dog, yep. He's got a bit of a name for you too. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I do. What is it? Yeah. Well, you'll have to get him to, to no, tell, I know. tell you. I know. So. I want you to tell our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> David Wall, for some reason, calls me Hank. So, um <laughs> The listeners out there can make make of that what they want. Why would he do that? I don't know, but <laughs> um... <laughs> no. For for our listeners uh, actually listening, and we've got about you know fifty thousand of them that tune in. So many. <laughs> uh, Wally said that you know obviously you're a very passionate driver, and sometimes if something didn't go right on track, Hank would come out and maybe be a little bit pissed off after a session. Yeah, well, that's possibly true, but see, um, I've seen, I've seen it, I've, def- I've seen it for sure. I've seen Hank. I didn't yeah. call him, I didn't call him Hank beforehand, but I've seen Hank before. But see, Wally saw Wally for most part of it got a very mellowed version of Hank. So yeah, he probably hasn't seen me back in my heyday. That's for sure. <laughs> rally, rally would have though. Oh, definitely, oh, there's definitely, definitely a few, uh, definitely a few VK56 inflicted. Inflicted Hank moments, that's for sure. That, that is for sure. For the learned listener, they would know that, uh, that James obviously drove for the Nissan Motorsport team as as the Kelly Racing Boys were developing the, the Nissan Altima V8, which was competing in the Supercars Championship, which started in, in 2013. That also coincided when I joined the team 
to be the media and communications manager. So we got to, I guess, ride that uh, ride the wave, which was uh, probably rockier more often than not. Really, you know, the uh, the competitiveness of the of the team. They, you know, everyone wanted to be right up the very front, and it became clear pretty quickly that the the package that the Nissan rolled out with uh, was not going to be. Uh, something that could could challenge for the wins. So, you know, I spent three years there. Moff, you spent um, you were there for three years as well, and yep. there were some great times. There were a couple of really good results. You know, Bathurst 2014, an amazing race, and, and an, an unbelievable result for for yourself and for the Nissan Motorsport team at the time. But um, yeah, the, uh, the there were more more often than not, I guess, unfortunately, just. Um, just a lot of hard times for you know, for particularly for yourself, but for um, for all of the team as well. Oh, definitely, yeah, and you know that was sort of part of the, the challenge of developing that that car and package, and, and particularly the the engine side of it. So, you know, I've often said it wasn't through a lack of trying from anybody at that that organisation, but um, yeah, for one thing or another, we just really couldn't get get it together as a as a package. So, yeah, anyway, the that, that's behind us, mate. We're, uh, we don't focus too much on that anymore. There we go. We're not looking in the rear vision mirror. What is it right in front of us right now, though, is Mother's Day. Uh, what does Mother's Day look like in the in the Moffat household? And uh, how are the uh, the lucky ladies in your life getting treated? Um, well, yeah, it's definitely going to be a different one with uh, the old COVID-19 Mother's Day uh, 2020 edition. That's for sure. But yeah, obviously, probably like a lot of sons and husbands out there, old mum will get, um, particularly my wife, Leah, yeah, I'll try and spoil her as, as much as I can, or I should say the kids will uh, now try and spoil her as much as they can. But yeah, it's, uh, again, it's sort of, I guess, I uh, mentioned it before that, you know, we had our son Max's third birthday only a few weeks ago. So, you know, that was quite a, quite a weird feeling for a three-year-old not really being able to put on a nice party for him or anything like that and you know it was a very low-key day compared to what you typically would have for a three-year-old's birthday so in many ways I think Mother's Day will will be very similar in terms of you know we won't be able to do much because uh well I know that we're sort of trying to take the restrictions as um you know try and do the right thing as much as possible um, in, in that regard. So uh, it's not like we can go down to the pub and uh, have a drink anyway, can we? No, and that's uh, that, that's a real shame. You know, I've, uh, I'm not really much into into doing that, uh, into going to the pub. Look, I, you know me quite well, James, uh, and you know that I like <laughs> to have a beer. But I'm, not, I'm really not that uh, not that fussed of going to the pub. I do like to go over to friend's house and, you know, have people around. But I'm kind of hankering to go to a go to a really nice restaurant or uh, or go to the pub and, and do things that we generally just take for granted. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the first things that I might do would be just, uh, I, I think I just want a, a pot straight out of the tap from the pub, pub you know, just a... Probably even a can of beer to go with it, just because we, we can't do that. So, just a, a beer and a palmy, I, I reckon, would do me pretty well right now. But uh, what about you, boys? No, I'm the same. I, I would love to go to a restaurant and eat out. I mean, Steph, my wife, is a really good cook, 
and I've said this before on the podcast, so she looks after me really well, but just to be able to go and enjoy a, a night out and not have to worry about doing the dishes after would be great. You know, we're not used to having so much routine in our lives, so for me, it's nice, but I'm getting itchy feet, you know, I want to get back on the road and get back to the lifestyle that we've sort of really become accustomed to, so... But yeah, definitely top of the list is to catch up with some friends at a restaurant. And I'm not sure why that's sort of everyone's pick, but it's uh, for me, that's that's what I'd like to do. So hopefully not too far away, though. I'd rather admit I wouldn't mind being able to ship the kids off to the grandparents for the evening, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, we did, yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to invite them. <laughs> James Moffat, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up, mate. It's not too long until we're going to get to go race and we look forward to seeing the Renault Megane TCR car out there banging some doors um, with Tony's Honda. Yeah, well, you know, maybe if that happens, Tony will be able to see Hank, so you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mate. Good on you, boys. Thank you. And great to have James Moffat on the line and actually it was really refreshing to talk to someone and not speak a single word about online simulators it was a little bit i mean he obviously uh doesn't have a simulator at home he didn't even mention it one bit but what i found really interesting was uh some of the chat that he spoke about potentially doing the bop stuff with renault over at barcelona so that would have been a really cool opportunity and something that you know he he would have thrived in and Unlike Honda, where they have factory drivers, uh, Renault very, very new to TCR, and uh, you know James could potentially lead that charge on the driver front. Yeah, definitely. Or uh, even Dylan O'Keefe, his his teammate in the second Renault that will compete in the TCR Australia Series. So they've got some real good stocks down here in terms of their driver talent and engineering as well with Gary Rogers. Yep, they have a very, very formidable lineup there and. And hopefully we can see Renault take it take it up to them. They got a pole position last year. Oh, that was rubbish. Threatened for race wins. That was rubbish pole, honestly. Track was wet, right? And I was quickest. So this by is the bend round three. Yeah, by a mile in the wet. Freezing cold. Yep. In the middle of the desert, out in <laughs> the middle of South Australia. And the track started to dry. And it was sort of get to the point where the wets, you know, weren't working that well. And we actually spoke about it before the session. If it started to dry, could we run slicks on the front and wets on the rear? Because these things are as taily as hell. So we thought, let's leave the hot wets on the rear. Category said, no, cannot do it. You're going to get in trouble. All right. So it's not in the spirit of the rule. So that means that, you know, you're actually not going to get in trouble. It's sort of like, you know, a wording of the rule. So anyway, we decided to do the right thing and not go down that path. Come the last lap of qualifying when the track's drying up, I'm out there on slicks trying to get temp in these things in four slicks. Moff goes bang, P1 by like two seconds. And I'm thinking, how did he get temperature in those tires? Honestly, this is crazy. Like I would have gone off two or three times and I'm thinking to myself driving around on these slicks going, we've got this in the bag because there's no way anyone's gonna get close to the time that I've done on the wet tire. Um, because you just can't get temp in him. Come in, and he's got wets on the rear. And I couldn't believe, I was so frustrated, honestly. <laughs> I'd come off a, a probably a disappointing round Phillip Island, and I was trying to bounce back with another pole. And Moff, they, they literally outsmart us, to be honest. And that's that old school Gary Rogers sort of philosophy, 
give it a crack. Okay, it doesn't say in the rule that you can't do it, so let's do it and we'll fight it later. And uh, you got to take your hats off to those guys. It gave them their first pole in the world. So that's a really good achievement there. So those guys are super quick last year. Uh, reliability wasn't so good. So I think if they can improve on that, Moff and you know, Dylan O'Keefe, we know how quick he can be. Uh, they'll be a force to be reckoned with and uh, be a pain in my backside. Well, we only hope we want some entertaining racing and it's not going to be too far away. But before that, we're going to go from one famous Australian motorsport name to another. We've had Moffat. Now we're going to have Medecki. We're going to speak to George Medecki. George is the son of Andrew Medecki, who formerly raced open wheelers at a uh, high level. He raced Australian touring cars. Uh, and George has got the bug as well, and he's raced uh, just as many just as many categories as well. Tony, you know him really well yeah. through the driver training mm. tra- driver training stuff. Uh, and uh, currently, George is racing in the National Trans Am series. He does uh, really well, so uh, we figured let's uh, have a chat to him. And joining us on Parked Up is gorgeous George Medecki. George, thank you so much for joining us here. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's a uh, she's a weird old world that we're living in. I know you you like to keep yourself busy on and off the racetrack. Just give us a little bit of your take on the past seven or eight weeks with the uh, COVID nineteen situation. Yeah, isn't it, mate? We I um I run uh, my family's car dealership up in Port Macquarie um, on the mid north coast of New South Wales, and mate, it's been wild up until. You know, for a couple of weeks there, they were like, weeks felt like years. We were all trying to figure out what was going on. And, and obviously, um, you know, customers were doing the same thing. And we, and we just went you know, from being absolutely slammed in March to the place being a ghost town in April. And, and, but it's been remarkable how it's recovered, you know, ever since we've started to have those, those restrictions easing and people are feeling a little bit more comfortable about going out, you know, the, the, the joints woken up again. So that's been good. Um, you know, yeah, otherwise I've been enjoying um, getting into the, ARG Esport Cup. I'd, I used to I used to do a little bit of a little bit of e-racing back in the day because when I was living in in the states racing uh, late models asphalt late models, I was living with Marcus Ambrose and he was a an i-racing ambassador. So I did a did a bit of racing back way back when it sort of first started and and uh, but it's good to dust off the gear and, and have a crack again. Uh, George, we had a bit of a battle last night on a esports. <laughs> that's and... a kind that's a kind way to mention. Well... <laughs> Well, we had a battle in practice. I was watching yourself and Brett Holdsworth trying to work out the slipstreaming, and I was just trying to actually stay with you guys the whole time. Now, apparently we had an incident. I, I didn't see it. I didn't, don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't because I, I came over Lukey Heights and turned into MG, and then suddenly there's Tony Dalberto at 90 degrees to the track doing a dangerous re-entry. In oh, right yeah, so that was it. Yeah, right. Uh, in you F3. Remember that? In you remember F3. That yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Oh, that makes sense. I wasn't no, sure because I think um, we might have come together in the first race maybe as well. Oh, maybe you're too far well, ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure. We're, we're, we're magnets for it, mate. i tell you what, you were, you were a lot faster this week. You've obviously been doing a bit of practice, mate. Thank you. I have been doing a little bit, and I'm very much a rookie on this iRacing stuff, so it's taken quite a few hours. And as you know, you, you've just got to spend that time behind the wheel getting used to it. But just going back to that Formula 3 uh, when I did the dangerous re-entry, I'd already crashed early in the race and I'd just basically given up. And I'm like, I'm going back to the pits. Tried to flick spin it around and then here comes George. And it was like, <laughs> boom. 
I did the same thing. I was having one of the best. I was having one of the best races of, of the season, and I sort of drafted back up. Uh, Harley Haber was pulling me along, and I drafted back up to the pack that was sort of from seventh up to about twelfth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put myself on the outside of Will Brown. Big mistake, as he's clattered clattered into me on the approach to uh, to Honda. So I'd actually been in the pits already, mate. Oh, so I don't feel so bad now. No, no, all good. <laughs> now I've only done a couple of rounds myself, but I'm enjoying it more and more. It's really tricky to stay out of trouble. I'm learning that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this online racing? Uh, you're obviously enjoying it, but uh, it give, gives you that sort of racing fix at the moment, doesn't it? It does, and and that's the that's the thing is that like, you know for guys like you and I, Tony, where like we we do a bit of racing you know, throughout the year, the want to do online racing increases the longer you're out of a car, I think you'd mm. probably find. Yeah. And, 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 it, but it does, it gives you the same buzz. So for people who haven't done a lot of racing like us, it, it's honestly, it's very close. It gives you the same, you know, you're, you're still tense in a qualifying mm. lap, you know, your heart rate's still right up there. And you, you know, you, like I found myself a couple of times rolling onto the front straight and having to relax my shoulders because I was all wound up, you know, having a crack. So it's probably, I'm, I'm impressed at how close it's gotten to, replicating the the stress of it you know it's a very car racing is a very stressful thing to do and and it's um and e-racing is getting getting really close to being able to to sort of provide the same experience and uh and so no it's good yeah funny story last night when we went into qualifying um i got the same butterflies that i would in a normal every normal race um you know i was obviously getting a bit worked up thinking about how i'm going to maximize this lap and and then by the end of the Formula Three race, I was sweating, you know. And yeah. it, and where I've got my simulator at home, it's not it's not a warm area, so it just shows you how much concentration you're actually using, and it does really replicate the race car uh, in many ways. So, my question though is, I really enjoyed driving the F3 car last night. What do you prefer, the TCR car or the Audi, or in the F3? Oh mate, honestly, I was about to be in the pit lane before on, on, in the F3 car after getting out of the the TCR car. Before I was like, oh hell yeah, yeah, you know, this yeah. is awesome. Yeah. The uh, I mean, it, look, they're they're a bit more um, obviously um, a little bit more unpredictable um, sometimes, but the the TCR car has its own challenges as well. You know, it's really loose in, and then when you get on the gas, it can be a bit pushy. Mm. Um, but the F3 car is just so. Um, responsive and and you know you re- you really get to have a bit of fun with as you say learning about the drafting and the aero the aero wake and all that sort of stuff really makes a huge difference so you get the you get on the back of a um of a big pack of cars and even if you're lifting off going down the straight you're still going half a second faster than you were on your own so um it's it's cool yeah definitely if of the of the two cars i think f3 is my preference i'm a little bit faster in it as well which which helps and how about you mate do you find you have a speed difference between the two cars i enjoy driving the f3 but i think i'm probably a little bit more competitive in the tcr car but i find i just got to be so patient in that car and during the week when i was trying to switch between both cars like when i jump back in the tcr car it's like oh there's something wrong with this thing like you know, it feels so slow. It honestly felt like a bus. And before I drove the F3, I thought the TCR thing was really good to drive. So <laughs> uh, it's amazing how you sort of acclimatize. And I tell you what, I'm really glad that last night they decided to have the TCR race first and then yes. F3. Because I reckon yes, it would have been absolute it, chaos. Exactly. <laughs> had it the other way around. And we barrel into turn one in the TCR car after driving the F3, which is flat through turn one. 
we would have yep. all been off, honestly. Uh, so I'm sort of glad they did it that way. I think Grant masterminded that one. There was some method behind the madness for sure. <laughs> well, good, well thought out, mate. Good job. <laughs> so episode number eight uh, drops on Sunday and it's Mother's Day, obviously. Now you're uh, a proud dad. What does your Mother's Day look like? You know, you're going to spoil the family. Uh, what are you going to be up to, mate? Yeah, well, I'll be. I'm, I've been been scrambling, mate. I've been organising flowers and stuff. <laughs> That's <laughs> I my was, job tomorrow. I've got about. Yeah, well, mate, the answering the answering machines all say they've run out of flowers, so you better get oh. on, better get your skates on, mate. But um, no, we're, we're yeah, exactly. Spending time with the family. I'm lucky enough to live live close to my mum as well, so um, my brother and my mum and I are getting together for a, a meal um on sunday night so that'll be good obviously social distancing rules apply there as well but we won't um, we won't no, tell it's, anyone <laughs> <laughs> no it's 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 good mate it, it, you know what this the side effect of all of this um uh, you know the virus and all this sort of stuff has meant that we're all spending more time with our families and i think that's probably that's probably a pretty cool thing so um no just wake up and spend time with the girls and and um and yes go and see my mum at night and all good yeah, there have been some headaches, but the clouds are starting to clear and we can kind of see a, a way out. We've still got a, a little bit to go, but there, there, there does seem to be some positive signs that, that the uh, economy can get back, get back and we can get back to, to racing. So the, uh, the reason why we have the fortune of talking to you today is because of your alignment with the Trans Am class. It's something that you've done in Australia for the past couple of years now you you're very uh you've done a lot of racing in a lot of different classes um, sports cars supercars local international racing i know you're very busy in the in the off-track world with the with the family business but you've been lured back into the into the trans am class just tell us a little bit about why why trans am and, and why it appeals to you yeah well we we had been doing a bit of gt racing prior to um uh, prior to all of this and and you know the time came and we sold those cars and we were looking to get into something else and i'd for a long time had my eye on um, touring car masters and as you as you know my dad andrew had been in touring car masters for for years and years and you know won some races driving for bob middleton and and i thought you know that's me you know i'd lo- i'd love to have a crack at that but you know trans am popped up on the up on the uh, on the radar and just the combination of speed you know because generally most places they're even a bit faster than a tcm car but from a from a cost point of view you know they're a fraction of the cost to run on a racetrack than anything else so you know the the bang for your buck how fast you can go for the amount of money you know was just um it just stood out to me and uh, and i was lucky to we were lucky to start racing the cars with a, a bit of a rise in the competitive side of it too you know we had um aaron seaton and nathan hearn and and actually Jarvis and, and you know, a smattering of other guys. And it was just really, it became really competitive and we all pushed the category along. And you see where it's gone now, you know, um, ARG are taking it to new heights. We had an amazing opening round at Clipsal. Um, unfortunately, I was the recipient of a fair bit of bad luck. It felt like a felt like an ARG E-Cup race for me. But um... <laughs> You were a bit of a punching bag out there. <laughs> oh, man, I just, I, 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 collected uh, uh craig dontis in qualifying um he was uh, he, he sort of spun and was stranded on the track just out of sight by the time i could see him you know it was far too late and, uh, and we had a, a comedy of errors after that trying to get the car back running and reliable again but no the, the cars themselves are 
just a riot to drive. You know, they're, they're really light. They're 1,250 kilos with a driver. You know, for, for comparison, a supercar is what, Tony, 1,350 without a driver? Mm, yep. Something like that. And, and, you know, so they're super light and they've got plenty of horsepower. So you're sort of up and dancing on the, on the car all the time. And because they run these big Hoosier slicks, the car actually moves around a lot on the tyre. You know, the, the wheel is moving inside the tyre a lot. So, you know, you, there's a lot of attitude and the car really feels like it's jumping around and, and that gets the heart rate going as well. So, no, Trans Am are, uh, are badass, man, and they're, <laughs> they're really cool to drive. Uh, they do look like they're quite – they do move around quite a bit on that tyre. Um, comparing to a supercar – We've spoken about the weight of the car, but just the characteristics of it. Do you have to be really patient with it? Do you have to feed the throttle in nice and gentle? What's the sort of trait? Like, how do you go fast in a Trans Am car? Look, not really. You know, throttle down is throttle down is pretty, you know, you can still be pretty aggressive with the car. But one thing, as you say, you know, really it's like um, the, the wheel moves side to side in the tyre a lot. So there's actually... A difference you know the, the first couple of times what you feel you think you're over oversteering you think the car's starting to slide the rear but it's not the wheels just moved sideways left or right inside the tire and that's given the car a bit of attitude so getting becoming comfortable with what that feels like is a big thing for speed um and also as well they don't you see a little bit of a gap between the guys that are really on it and the guys who are perhaps not so experienced because they don't like to be um, they don't like a driver who's not confident. If you're, if you don't, if you turn in and then you sort of reconsider, um, the t- the tire is all taking a while to recover to that. So, the biggest thing is having a having a strong hand, you know, and being being sort of a bit forceful with the car and giving it constant load, and that's what makes it, that's what makes them quick. Um, but uh, but yeah, braking's tough in them. But mid corner and, and and power down, they're actually. Uh, they're actually mighty, you know. They really, really fly. And I had a lot of fun racing at the um, in the support race at the Bathurst 12 Hour. You know, going across the top of the mountain in a in a Trans Am car. They are cool, mate, because they're so fast and they've got decent aero. Mm. And uh, and going across the top, it's uh, it's a wild ride. They sound bloody good too. Yeah, yeah. No, they're just. I mean, they're old school. You know, it's a mm. four speed H pattern dog box. You know, you, you you're doing the driving yourself. There's nothing. There's no, there's not a whole heap of technology helping you out. It's, it's literally just what can you get from it. Um, and the big thing as well, because they don't allow a whole lot of, you know, you don't don't allow a heap of tires every weekend. You actually just have to conserve the tire and just make sure that you're not roasting them up too too much. And yeah, but that's a feel thing. You get there pretty quickly, especially for those guys who've got experience in a few different things. And for me personally, probably my time in America really helped because I raced on that kind of tire in the late models over there. So I was pretty used to that feeling, sort of squirmy feeling when you get on the throttle of the cars that are taking a set. And uh, and I think that meant that I adapted to the car pretty quick. Yeah, well, I was actually going to touch on that because you've had a lot of experience in this style of car when you're over there driving with Ambrose. Do you really you think that sort of gave you that sort of leg up before jumping in the Trans Am car? Because, you know, we've seen guys like Aaron Seaton who have been super quick. Do you think that comes down to driving style or do you think it comes down to setup? You know, there is a couple of you guys that have really sort of got the streaks on the rest of the field. Yeah, well, um, you know, you can tell that raw raw talent, you know, sort of shines, sort of shines mm. through. You know, Nathan Hearn. Yeah. Came, came in and came in a blaze of glory, but had a shocking first round because he couldn't, he wasn't, he didn't understand what it took to stay on top of the tire coming from Formula Ford. Mm-hmm. But he learnt so quickly that he was a force, you know, 
from basically the next round on, he was able to figure it out and, and, and get on with it, which obviously made him a you know made him a, a threat to be aware of for the rest of the year. So, look, I think yeah, you know, the good guys will figure it out eventually. Mm. You know, I definitely felt I felt a bit at sea the first time I drove the car, and I think everyone would would think the same thing. The first time you drive it, you're like, oh wow, really? Is this happening? This car's moving around this much, mm. and am I doing something wrong? But then the, literally I got out of the car, had to think about it, got back in and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, nah, this is, this is good. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, the, the, definitely the time in the States helped with the tire and understanding when, when I finally clicked and thought, oh yeah, the, that car used to do that too. Yeah. Um, I became comfortable with it immediately and, and, uh, and that really, you know, helped to push on and I had a, had a pretty good round the first time we drove it. Um, and then to come back the next year with the, the Mustang at, um, yeah, it was a was was a good experience. So with the tire situation, it's a little bit different to a lot of other categories. Obviously, trying to cut some costs, so you don't get a huge amount of tires. You get one set, and then what a couple of spares. Is that right? Yeah. So I think that, that we're sort of evolving that as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, what we actually what we actually got uh, last year were six new tires at the first round, mm-hmm. and then two new tires every round after that, and you had to take. Your, your other four, you could take four spares in that had been previously used in a race meeting. So you actually end up with a tire bill, you know, they're, they're, they're only $250 a tire. So you end up with a tire bill of 500 bucks a weekend, which is a fraction of what you would spend in any other category. I just paid and more for tires on my Pathfinder. Absolutely, right? <laughs> like, like so the, the, that's where the magic is with, with Trans Am. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the ARG... The new ARG version of the category could probably cop four tires a weekend. Mm. I think that's a probably a good move, um, and would, you know, they're, they're, the the fact that the tires were so scarce last year meant that we're all having to play the game a little bit, trying to get yeah. new tires in the bank and all that sort of stuff. And and you know, really, I'd, I'd prefer, you know, I'd like to play with a straight bat. I prefer not mm. to be doing that. Mm. Um, so you know, with the with four tires a weekend and two spares. That's like what we used to run in the old Ute days. And to be honest, you know, Trans Am um, has that feeling. It feels like Utes in its heyday. You know, everyone's charged up. Everyone's having a great time. People are getting sponsors. Cars are fast. Everyone's having fun. They're good blokes. You know, it really, I, f- I found it to be, you know, the, the most enjoyable category I've been in since Utes, you know, back in 08, 09 when it was really in its heyday. Yeah, it's got that really nice, um, relaxed feel about it. The cars sound great. They look great. They make all the right moves on the circuit. What do you feel the future is for Trans Am in Australia? Look, I, th- I think it's um, I think it's a great third tier category for this country. You know, I, I, when I say third tier, I mean supercars or, or whatever the you know whatever the uh, the top level series ends up being. Then you sort of super two or Carrera Cup or TCR in the middle, and then you, and then Trans Am is where I see it. You know, it's a it's an affordable place for people to get get experience in really fast cars. Although the, the one thing I would say is that a lot of people underestimate just how bloody fast these things are. You know, the lap times they're doing, and so you definitely do need to you do need to know what you're doing. You got to you got to have some experience um, in order to get into a, a Trans Am car and drive it quick because they are seriously seriously fast so um that's what sort of lights the fire as a racing driver and you know anyone who's driven anything will get in a get in a trans am car and go wow this thing's pretty cool so besides the trans am stuff and all the online racing that we've been doing 
Is there any other classes, any other racing that you've got on the horizon? Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a Ford dealer, mate, and I I, I bleed blue, and uh, and I've loved seeing Mustangs um, on the track, whether it's the supercar or TCR or um, sorry, yet uh, Trans Am, uh, and I thought the Mustang was criminally underrepresented in production cars. So we've actually just finished uh, building a um, a brand new. Um, FN Mustang for the Bathurst 6-hour, which was supposed to have happened on, on Easter, um, and that would have been its big reveal. We've been re, um, rescheduled into November, which we're really excited about. And, uh, and yeah, I've got, I've got it sitting in my, in my showroom here at the dealership in Port Macquarie, you know, looking at me uh, every day throughout the window of my office, and it's like the worst, mate. <laughs> it's like having a Christmas present. You just can't open it. So, um, look, it's... You need a co-driver? You know that uh, I drive I got one of those. generally. Oh, right. Got one of those. Uh, I think, look, you know, Fabs is tall, but not tall like I'm tall. No, mate. you're tall. You're very tall. <laughs> but what I'm saying so, is it is possible. Yeah, well, I'm sure we could make it work, Tony. You could you could sit on my lap and I'll do the pedals <laughs> and you do the wheel. <laughs> but Tony um, would enjoy that too much. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, a little too much, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's – it's amazing, mate. From a from a from a build quality point of view, I've uh, I personally have not seen a a production car um, built so nicely. If you to, if I told you it was a, a Mustang GT4, you'd believe me. Um, it's it's beautiful, and uh, and hopefully, you know, I think you know we're, we're probably um, uh, going to be, you know, we'll be fighting the good fight. Those um, those BMWs are going to obviously have a lot of pace. Um, the BM3 and the M4 have won it. It's been on pole for a few years straight now. That's you know, I, I doubt that we'll have the outright pace to be able to match with them. But from a reliability point of view, you know, it's a five-liter Coyote, and and um, with a you know, with the new, the, the biggest thing that triggered us was the new car has direct injection, so it's got a bit more grunt, um, and that should you know really give us something you know that we can at least be around the fight with. Um, so, yeah, Ryan McLeod uh, did a fantastic job in building the car. He's um, he sold Mark cars, which he was famous for, for for building the Mark endurance cars in Australia, with starting with the little Focus and Mazda threes, and then you know recently he's been building those Mark two Mustangs that have that have been doing a great job at the twelve hour, and uh, and his his experience and the the hand he's had in in building this thing, you know, like I walk around it and it's just absolutely lovely. I'm looking at it right now. But uh, yeah, it should be pretty exciting. I mean, we don't have a. We want to get some some testing miles um, under the belt as soon as possible. Obviously, we're waiting for the tracks to open at the moment. But um, yeah, it's just a, a lovely car and something I'm really really excited to have a crack in. You know, sooner rather than later. It was a real shame that the Bathurst six hour has you know been postponed to November date. Is is it a bit of an advantage that the race does get delayed and uh, you do get to get a, a, a lot more thorough testing in, in the car? Look, I, I hope so. You know, obviously, um, Ryan actually built the the other, the FM, which is the previous generation um, Mustang that's been racing in the production cars um, uh, up to now. So they've got a little, there's, there's a little bit of knowledge out there with these cars, um, which is really good. But one of the great things as well is it's, it's American, you know, that you, you want to get, you want to get new pistons for it, which we're allowed under the rules. No problem. You just order them from Mali or, or whoever you want to get them from. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of gear out there for them. And, and, uh, but again, I've just, I've got to say, I'm just super impressed with the work that Ryan, 
um, Ryan and his team up there, at, they work out of Paul Morris's shop at Norwell, um, have done in, in putting the car together. It just, it's just lovely, and uh, and I think it's going to be. I think everyone's going to be really impressed when we take it out on track in public for the first time. Doing the Bathurst six hour is a big task in itself for a weekend, but there'll also be some Trans Am stuff there to uh, to do as well around the mountain. Do you reckon you can pull double duties for that weekend? Look, I think uh, to be honest, to be honest, guys, I, I, we literally built this car with the sole intention of doing the six hour. So I'm going to be fully focused that weekend. There's no no chance of me. Well, I mean, I'd say there's no chance, but I think probably most likely I'm going to be fully focused on the on six hour effort. We've literally built this car from the ground up to do that race. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be something that's you know really exciting. We've it's a hell of a time for it to arrive. You know, we've been building it for six months and for it to turn up when you can't drive it um, is, uh, is a bit of a shame. And uh, But, you know, it's, uh, I'm really excited about the potential the car has. And, and, and it should be, you know, it should be reliable, which is a great, uh, a really big thing in, in production car endurance racing. Well, it's great to hear, George, that you've got that uh, great new car coming in for the Bathurst Six Hour. And as much as we'd love to be at Bathurst right now, we can't. But we do have a little bit more online racing to do, and it's that uh, that grand old lady, the Oran Park Raceway. It used to be based out in Western Sydney, uh, not too far from where I actually grew up. And uh, we're going to get to pound 44 Audi touring cars around that joint. Did you actually ever do a race meeting around the old Oran Park? I did, mate. I did. I did a couple. I used to work for, I remember when I first got started in racing, I used to work for Ian Luff instructing around there. I did laps and laps and laps with John Boston and, and Ian Dyke and, and all those guys back in the day. And that was a, a great uh, buzz for me. But yeah, no, I raced uh, production cars back then um, at Oran Park. And and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. They've, they obviously did a fantastic job eye racing with the laser scanning. And it's uh, it's it's very accurate and it's just as fun as it is um, as it was anyway in real life you know i love that section coming off the bridge and going down through the s's and and uh and i'm looking forward to it so it should be a bit of fun i reckon our mate our good mate timmy brook will have uh the legs on everybody because he lives at Oran park <laughs> <laughs> he's probably doing laps right now no it's a lot different these days obviously he's got his his uh his house there at Oran Park, but yeah, I'm looking forward to going to Oran Park myself. I've driven the supercar there a couple of times, and just a really tough track, and uh, you got to be super patient in many spots. But um, funny little story, Grant, just to wrap up. Uh, the first time I actually drove at Oran Park was with uh, Ian Luff. So I flew up to Sydney and uh, got a hire car, and I was pretty young at the time, and I got lost trying to get to the track, trying to find the circuit. Ian's ringing me, where are you, where are you, where are you? Finally got there, and I think we only had like a couple of hours left of the day to actually go on circuit. And he put me in some, what, what would he have had then, uh, George? What would he have? Like it was it was a manual something. It might have been a Honda Civic or something. What would it yeah, been? probably. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or you had to deal with Hyundai for a while there. So Yeah, I think this um, is before the Hyundai days. It was It was a while ago. Um, anyway, so I learned the showing track. Your age, Tony. I am showing my age, yeah. Uh, and I remember I missed a gear coming out of turn two. So it must have been second gear. I've gone across to third and stuffed it up, whatever. I don't think I wrong slotted, but I didn't quite get it in. And he gave me the biggest slap of my hand uh, for missing the gear. 
Uh, and I remember him telling me just to focus on the next corner. Don't worry about the last one that I just totally stuffed up. But a real driver's track, that one for sure. I reckon that's going to really suit the TCR cars. And, uh, you know, maybe for some of the young blokes, they've probably never driven there. So we might have the upper hand. Who knows? Yeah, look, I think I think probably, honestly, honestly mate, there'd only be three or four of us um, that would have raced there, um, I'd, I'd say. You know, really, it's, it's, it's actually... You forget how long ago it was that it that it got shut down, but no, it'll be it'll be great for the TCR car because the you know one of the great things or one of the things that makes you fast around there is is jumping the curbs and 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 carrying a lot of carrying a lot of speed you know by by opening up the corners and and obviously TCR car is going to be great for that you know we're going to see a bit of two two wheel action and the um the car's wheel spinning over crests and and all that sort of stuff so I think it's um if, if that's what that's what we're driving obviously I'm learning this right now as we're speaking to you but um, <laughs> yep, definitely but, TCR the Audi touring car at Oran Park that is what we're doing next Thursday yeah that's the perfect choice because those things will be you know there'll be wheels in the grass and they'll be half hanging off the track and it's going to be be, uh, be a perfect track for those little cars well I've spoken to a few drivers and they've all said they're really looking forward to it I'd imagine by the end of Thursday night there's not going to be 44 happy faces um, trying to squeeze all of them around that joint is going to be an absolute challenge George we'll leave it there mate thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up and we'll keep following you in the online world and can't wait to see you back in the real world yeah pleasure mate great to talk to you guys thanks buddy well 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 some big news there from george medecki gets to not only do his trans am through the year he's also going to do some six hour he's competing against you in the arg esport cup he looks like he's got a fair bit on He's a busy boy, I mean, and he's running his dad's dealerships as well, which, uh, or family dealerships, I should say. So day-to-day, he's managing staff and obviously going through a tough time with COVID-19 and how to manage that from a business point of view. But it hasn't seemed to have slowed him down on the racetrack. He's still as hungry as ever, and uh, he's always been a really, really good driver, uh, George. I've raced against him many times, and also his old man in GT, those guys were actually a really good pairing. So generally you, you pair up with a pro and an am. But the thing is with Andrew, yeah, he's classed as an amateur these days because of his age, but he's been a professional racing driver um, over his career. So he's probably one of the best ams you can get your hands on. So they've won quite a few GT races in the Aston Martin. Uh, and, and George, you know, he's done DVS and VA Utes and he's done really raced well. Raced in the States. Yeah, raced in the States for a few years there with Ambrose's team. So he's achieved a hell of a lot and, yeah, it's great to catch up with him and, and see how he's coping with this situation. And, uh, you know, it was, it was quite funny to listen to his story about how I took him out in the F3 race. I didn't actually know it was George. I just knew that I'd done a flick spin in front of someone and, and KO'd them. and Reckless reckless driving. Uh, <laughs> stewards, if you're watching back through the replays, working out who you're going to penalise, make sure you have a look at what was going on down there at Lukey. That's right. And to be honest, I didn't hang around long enough. As soon as I'd crashed for the second time and there was about five minutes to go, I literally just pressed escape and went to bed. Uh, I might have been a bit shitty at the time. But no, it, it's great to see him involved. And, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, lights up your world a little bit when you say good day to him. He's uh, you know really passionate about a lot of things in life. So great to have a chat. But now we move on to our final guest, a guy that uh, you know really well. You've worked for him before. 
he is behind the scenes in many ways in Australian motorsport, but achieving a hell of a lot behind those scenes. And in the chat, you know, hopefully he sort of goes into some of the ins and outs of what he's achieved and uh, what he's up to now and, uh, you know, how he's spending his time during this sort of strange period. Yep. Tony is talking about Brett Crusher Murray. He's been one of the leading media men in the motorsport field in this part of the world for many, many years. He started Speed Cafe in 2009. I was his very first editor. I only lasted three years, couldn't stand anymore, but uh, (laughs) we've remained very close friends and we will grab him for a chat now. So I'm not pressing those buttons, Tony. You can press the buttons. Let's call him. (laughs) And we've saved the best for last, Tony D., the main man himself, Brett Crusher Murray, is on the line, the brains and brawn behind speedcafe.com. Crush, thanks for joining us. Hello, boys. What an absolute pleasure to be on uh, Backed Up. Uh, I've been waiting for uh, some time for you to be inviting me on, and here I am. There you go. Well, you had to wait till episode eight, but we we definitely wanted to have you on just to get your get your thoughts. Of course, I've worked with you in the past at Speed Cafe. We'll come to that later. A tough time for the industry, a tough time for the world in general, really, with the COVID nineteen pandemic that's currently raging across the world. Tell us your coronavirus story and the journey that SpeedCafe.com and your business has gone on. Well, boys, I don't sort of, uh, it's actually created more work for us, to be honest, um, in, in regards and made me any more money. It just means we've had to work extra hard to fill the gaps that, you know, exist, you know, in a bottomless pit like a, a news website when you're on a 24-7 cycle. So, uh, you know, unbelievably, our numbers are up 6% year to date, given that we haven't had a race, which is just amazing. And obviously, there's more people sitting at home and they've got more time to have a look and We've tried to restructure some of our content to be able to uh, handle that in regards to a bit more feature stuff and a few other bits and pieces and telling some old stories and extracts from books and all those type of things just to keep everybody entertained and with a bit of news. But I think, you know, as you said, it's it's as tough as the environment as we'll, we'll, we've ever seen and hopefully we'll ever will see. Um, and uh, we just got to stick together and and uh, come out the other side, as they say. So um, plenty of challenges ahead of us and where it all ends up but there's uh you'd have to have a pretty amazing crystal ball to predict that but um you know you just got to keep moving so you're on the inside tell us when do you think we're going to go back racing certainly um at that top level in that supercars and the motorsport australia championships the championships that you guys cover so well well i think that you know it's going to be up to the obviously the state borders are going to be the thing you know we saw morrison on friday talk about you know a three-stage program and you know how that works out and then you know you just need a blip in that and we go back to where we were so you know everyone's just got to do the right thing and i think yet to be seen whether that can be achieved or hopefully it can be um and what does the racing look like you know do, uh, are there crowds there um you know are there full spec of team members there will they be allowed to do that if you go back with a you know a reduced effort i'm talking at the, at the higher level on, on from a supercar level um, I think, uh, but what, what we need to do is we need to be getting club racing up and going as soon as we can, which which would be easier. And Motorsport Australia needs to be working on that and working with the state bodies as quickly as possible to get you know people back in race cars or carts or you know um, just some club racing so you know we can start turning the wheels over. So those suppliers and those people that are 
you know, supplying the consumables and those type of things can, you know, actually, you know, a little bit of business can filter down from it because without that grassroots and without the foundation, we've got nothing. And I think uh, that's been one big realisation out of all this for the for the blokes that have been steaming ahead with the sport um, at the top end. Crusher, I want to uh, get away from this COVID-19 chat just for a sec. Now, you've uh, spent a lot of time with Grant in the past and he's worked for Speed Cafe. Quality time, quality time. Quality time, but I want dirt. Give me some dirt on Grant Rowley. Don't open your mouth. <laughs> Mate, well, he, you know, he worked, what did he say? He worked for me. He turned up. So <laughs> it was great that he, uh, you know, he, and he wasn't always on time and he, and he didn't always leave on time either, but he was, you know, it was nice to have his presence there. And, Come no, on, he's, uh, more than that. More than that. He does... Uh, he does have a well. It's a boys' club, mate. So we can't talk too loudly. He's got, uh, you know, he does enjoy having a beer as I do, and we've uh, we've shared many vocal uh, clashes over time. And uh, you know, he was an integral part of uh, without you know blowing too much smoke up his butt. Um, he was an integral part of getting Speed Cafe up and running and, and working as hard as he did to provide a foundation on which we built what we built today over ten years. So a lot of credit goes to him. You should probably be struggling right now in regards to the amount of space left in the room because his head will be that big. <laughs> it is expanding but, um, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably having trouble. You're probably more trouble breathing than if Scafey was in the room sucking all the <laughs> air through his nose. But um, no, like you know, uh, we've you know, and we've we've had our clashes, but that's what's, that's what created what we've created. And you know, I used to build him around the years, and and uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, that maybe played a bit of a role in uh, what he's turned out to be today, good or bad. Now, uh, we, we'd like – I want a bit more dirt than that. So let's uh, let's delve a little bit deeper. Is there any stories like after parties? When we had the, you know, Speed Cafe after parties, uh, I'm sure Grant's attended many of them. Surely there's something. Come on. I was always – uh, I always, I always was first back to bed uh, filing for the next day, if I remember. He was – he was certainly, he was certainly, uh, Tony was certainly present for the first couple of hours. Um, <laughs> after that, he was there in spirit, I think. Uh, you know, he was physically in the room, but uh, I'm not too sure uh, how much participation he had at a uh, understandable level after the first couple of hours. Um, <laughs> you know, we were uh, always very uh, um, flexible uh, the following day in regards to uh, what was going to be achieved. I knew there would be uh, uh, somewhat a bit of a lag, a if you like. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we would um, we would play that uh, play that card as it rolled out. And um, probably proof to say that he did turn up most of the day. I mean, as we all did, but we weren't, we weren't in too good a shape, any of us. So <laughs> I can't really bag him too much when, uh, you know, I probably diminished as many brain cells as he had the night before. <laughs> Uh, good times, good times. Now, this uh, episode is coming out on Mother's Day, so this will drop on Sunday. Uh, do you have a nice little story about your mum? What are you going to do on Mother's Day? You know, what, is the, uh, what does it generally look like in your household? Uh, well, my, you know, I'm, thankfully I still have my mum around. My mum and dad uh, don't live that too far away, and we actually had them on a cruise boat as part of this whole COVID thing. Thankfully, it wasn't one they pitched in, into, uh, into Sidney, but it took us about a month to get us get them off it, uh, which they finally did in Hawaii and get them back. They had to go on a couple of weeks quarantine in Sydney and then another couple of quarantine weeks back in uh, uh, in Queensland. So uh, they've had a pretty ordinary couple of months uh, getting back to where they are. But 
I think uh, the new rules will allow us to spend some time with her uh, at the weekend, and, and uh, which will be nice. And uh, I think you know Mother's Day might mean a, a bit more to a lot of people this weekend, uh, given the current situation. Um, and hopefully, you know, obviously there'll be some that'll be restricted in movement and cross borders and all that type of stuff. But the ones that are local, hopefully, they'll make the most of it. Um, in regards to the racing, my mum, my mum hasn't got a clue. Um, the one thing I will tell you is if she does take notice of something, you know that, uh, you know, it's had a cut through. And I remember her watching Maddie Brabham. She she and uh, my mum, Marlene, Dad Allen, came over to the Indianapolis 500 in 2016 when I ran my car there for Maddie Brabham. And they're sort of fans of, of, of anyone I've worked with over the years. So obviously they become Maddie fans. And they were at the Gold Coast race and saw the first stadium super truck race there. And she was absolutely smitten by it. And, be ringing me every second day wanting to know when it was going to be on TV. So if my mum's watching and she gets excited, um, then you know you've uh, you've got a bit of a product, which is why I've always been a, a bit of a fan of that category. In fact, uh, from tomorrow on Speed Cafe, where we're launching a, a fantastic competition with uh, our partners R&J Batteries, where there's a bit of a scoop for you boys, where you'll have a chance to win a drive of a stadium super truck with Paul Morris up on the Gold Coast. Once this COVID-19 stuff's all over, we're going to fly up to the Gold Coast and uh, you'll have a day uh, learning how to drive the thing with Paul. And if you're good enough, we'll get you to jump over a jump at the end of it. So that's going to be pretty cool as well. Tony's already signed up. Yeah, where do I but, sign up for that? Gee whiz, that's a great prize. Yeah, it's a great prize. And we're giving away seven office chairs built like race cart chairs, race, race seats as well at the same time. So R&J have batteries have come together with all that. It's going to be great. We're actually using uh, Greg Gardner's truck who runs with the R&J battery colours uh, in the stadium super trucks. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, something pretty cool. A world first, as, uh, as I've called it. And from 6am tomorrow morning, you'll be able to click on and, uh, and sign up. Speed Cafe, it's the website that keeps giving... So, uh, Crush, I, I guess um, Speed Cafe is certainly the thing that you are recognised for these days, but it, it wasn't always like that. You know, you started uh, as a journo yourself and have done a lot of things in, in media, public relations, communications, content creation, and, and all of those things that, um, that we've known you for in the game. Dealing with journos, hiring journos, uh, has been a, a big part of yourself and I guess you're um, for all the, the great stuff that you're known for you're also known to uh, sort of pull no punches can you just give us a give us a little insight into a, a big tear up on a journal a big a big spray that you gave now whether that was uh, in in recent times or you know back in the in the media management days I'm sure you've got a lot of stories is there one that comes to mind well there was a few over time. Grant, well, most of them were my friends, as you know. Uh, I worked closely with them and knew how the game worked. But there was one story which only came to light more well, a couple of years ago was I was doing the PR for the Gold Coast IndyCar race and we delivered all the media information and we got it all together and there was this one young journalist who was in the game. Anyway, he rang me and he said, listen, uh, I just need a, uh, an answer to this question. And I said, yep, no worries, mate. No, how can I help you? Uh, can you tell me one? Yeah, yep, I just knew sort of the answer. Right. I gave him the yep, no, off he goes. And then about a minute and a half later, the phone rang again, and it was the same kid. And uh, he asked me another question, and I was, you know, polite, went through it, and they gave him the answer straight away. And, you know, and understanding, as you know, like in, that, in that period of time, you know, I would get 
150 phone calls a day minimum. Um, and, you know, anyway, soon after that, phone ring again, same kid. So this time I was a bit more, uh, a bit more abrupt with him and uh, hung up. Well, bugger me, the phone rings again for the fourth time. It's the same kid. And I've given him one of the greatest lashings of all time <laughs> and told him that, that the media guide in front of him that I'd fucking sent to him a week ago would give him all the answers that he needed. And if he rang me one more time, I would rip off his head and use it as a bowling ball <laughs> down the pit straight on Sunday afternoon. So, all right, now... That was just a matter of course, right? Because it's one of a million things that would happen during the day when you're running a major event like that over course. That guy came to me about three years ago. So this would be probably 16 or 17 years after the fact and said, do you remember the day that, uh, and then he relayed the story to me. He said, mate, I was shit scared of you for 15 years. He said, I didn't know, <laughs> you know what to do, how to talk to you, how to, and I certainly was too scared to ring you, so. Go on, name, but, uh, name and shame. I'm, I think, uh, no, no, you wouldn't know him. He was a, just a local uh, AP journo at the time who's gone and done a little bit of stuff with News Limited, but he, he wasn't in the in the motorsport game. I, I might have scared, scared him off that as well. <laughs> well, you're certainly great at telling your tales, and, of course, you have um, you have uh, your own book as well. Like, not many people can say that they've gone to the effort of writing their own own book, uh, and you've been pushing and, and flogging a few extra of those through through the website as well. What was uh, what was the process like of getting all of all of that content together to tell some of those great tales that you've you've lived and breathed over your um, how, how old are you? Eighty five. 85 years? Yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah, about 185, I feel like I've lived. Working <laughs> with blokes like you, aged me about 60. Um, mate, uh, well, the reason for that we, that I wrote it and um, was, you know, I had so many mates and over the years that said, you know, you need to put that in a book, you need to put that in a book, you need to put that in a book. And, you know, I, I guess it was a decision made to do it before I, they all went down on a plane crash somewhere. So I set about writing it and, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, you know, it was just, bits of pieces, stories, and I was sort of all over the place, and i just come up with a story in the middle of the night, make some notes, and I'd write a chapter, and then, and it was all sort of funny stuff. Um, and then, you know, uh, people started to realise I was writing a book, and someone said, oh, I can't wait to read about this, or I can't wait to read about that, and they were actually more related to the industry, so more serious stuff, you know, like how do you handle, you know, tragedies in racing, you know, some, you know, I've had close friends that have died that I've been looking after in racing, you know, the A1GP disaster on the Gold Coast, which was, you know, probably one of my greatest achievements apart from running the car at Indy, you know, saving that race and, you know, potentially saving the government, all those type of things I did notes on. And there was like things like, you know, driving across America as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old with Paul Morris, you know, and, the, and the, you know, the problems, all the trouble we got up to and some of the stuff as a kid and playing gridiron in the States and, and Europe and, you know, the, the whole Indy 500 process from start to finish and ended up in jail on a couple of occasions. And that type of stuff, you know, all sort of manifests into this into this book. So I would write chapters and I'd give them to Trudy, Trudy to read, my wife, and, um, you know, I'd get out of the shower and she'd be laughing, not at the side of me getting out of the shower, but she would have read the uh, <laughs> the chapter and just, uh, you know, she'd never heard that story before. And, and um, you know, so once I sort of, you know, I'd sort of use her as a sounding board, 
she wasn't necessarily fond of all the stories, but she understood the significance of them and and uh, and how pre- people appreciate them. So we put them together in a book. I put them together and we launched it just before my 50th birthday a couple of years ago, which obviously you remember, uh, Grant. You yeah, were the there. First two my, hour, I remember the first two hours. Yeah, drinking my free beer. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I, given the you know the COVID situation at the moment and content, I decided to run some extracts of the book last week, and uh, and as part of that, we had uh, we just done a, a reprint six months ago and had some copies left over, so we um, we put up a uh, hundred or so copies to be sold at a cheaper rate of forty bucks, um, which you can still buy through crushofthebook.com, uh, and all the all the proceeds. Um, for most sales, go to Motor Racing Ministries, who are our official charity on Speed Cafe. Um, who do an amazing job at racetracks around the country at all levels of the sport. Um, and we've been working on about five months. We've raised about just over, just over dollars $10, $10, $11,000 for them in that time. Um, most of those guys, they've got, you know, uh, people around the country, they do about 12,000 events a year and they, they, you know, all these guys spend their own money to be there. So, it's a way of us just sort of giving back. I've had, unfortunately, had some direct dealings with them with a couple of instances where we've had fatalities and things and see how those guys work and, you know, not still on the, on the ground at the track, but, you know, for weeks after, uh, dealing with families and, you know, all the things they go through, as well as them doing weddings and, you know, uh, christenings and whatever else that goes on. So they're a great organisation and great to be related to. But that's the reason we sort of relaunched the book was to flog a few and uh, we've sold over 100 and, um, you know, that's another, you know, four grand or so to the organisation, which is terrific. So, um, yeah, it all, all worked and I've had a t- terrific feedback and I've actually had a lot more comments about possibly writing a second one, which we'll, uh, we're in the process of working out whether we'll have the time to do that. Uh, well, there you go. Um, you've uh, you've just about uh, given a plug to pretty much everything that you've got, all your uh, Platinum Partners and your book, do you want me to go through the platinum partners? I can run. No, them no, off, no. But... You've uh, you've done enough. <laughs> I have to send. I'll have to send all of them a bill, and they won't like you for that. So just before we go, though, you have launched a, a new uh, piece on your site, a new outlet for the industry to uh, to be a part of and and help uh, promote themselves. Networkcafe.com.au is uh, a new part of Speed Cafe where uh, people in the game, I guess, get their little piece of a spotlight. Whether that's you know guys like myself in the in the media or the content game or uh, corporate hospitality, sign writers, you name it. If, if you work in motoring motorsport game, you get your chance to be on there. Just tell us a little bit about why you came up with that concept and uh, and the uptake so far. I think you just answered it, by the way. Yeah, I think, uh, mate. The, I had the idea. I've had the idea for five or six years, and it's sort of just been bouncing around. And when this COVID thing hit, and you realise how tough some suppliers and people are doing it, it's like, well, how can you help? What what can we do to help them? And how do we all, you know, try and you know keep moving? Which is what it, you know our hashtag is for this whole deal is like, how do we just keep people? It doesn't matter if it's one step or fifteen steps, but how do we just keep getting them to go forward? You know, so um, I quickly put the you know, developed the concept, invested in building the website uh, and just, you know, creating a, a, a network for small to medium-sized businesses in the automotive and motorsport industries um, that get, could benefit from it. So, you know, it's a, it's a free service. 
The idea is it's for them to be able to talk to each other. They've got a place for them to advertise their business and their services. You know, whether you're a personal trainer, you're a sign writer, a fabricator, an engine builder, you know, car cleaning products, uh, you know, you sell cars for a living, you're in the aviation business, you you got simulators, you create content, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. But if you're associated in some way, and that could be someone in the left field, if you the local service station and you sponsor a little Jimmy's go-kart down the road, well, then we appreciate you supporting Jimmy, so you're in. So um, the idea is, you know, pretty much anyone can get in, if you know, because it will come through the channel of automotive or, or motorsport. And then the idea is we'll develop that very quickly over the next uh, two or three months into, you know, a big bunch of like-minded businesses um, that all can do business with each other. We're going to create, you know, weekly uh, newsletter. There'll be, you know, business advice. There'll be all these different things that, you know, that people hopefully get something out of. All we're going to do is do one deal and um, the thing's worthwhile. So hopefully uh, people have got a bit of time on their hands. You've got to go and register and then be able to deal with other people, send them each other notes. There's all the contact details are there. Their social media channels are there and it's totally free. Uh, to be a part of it. So our idea is to build that as quickly as we can and, and, and spread the word. Um, as you said, you're a part of it already. Um, you know, I think uh, we're close to, in less than a week, uh, we're close to 240 businesses. So um, the feedback's been amazing. Um, and I think even over the course of the weekend, people have, you know, more time to, you know, populate it. And as we go forward, we're doing feature stories. Uh, we have done one every week, every day this week. Um and uh, we'll be doing one or two of them moving forward. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just about making sure everyone survives and we're all working together and, you know, we've just got to, you know, do what we can. I've always, you know, considered Speakify a, a very community-minded organisation, as you know, um, whether it's on a charity basis or helping, you know, kids out or, you know, races, young blokes going overseas or, you know, just being able to be a service to those guys if, you know, one of the old guys passes away, letting everybody know about it. So, yeah, the guy's got 200 people at his funeral instead of 10 and his grandkids think he's a hero because everyone actually knew that, you know, what he'd done in racing or, or he or she had done in racing and and um, can go and pay their respects. So I think it's, you know, been a, you know, a nice little thing we've been able to do as well as the hard news every day that, that people want to read. Well, we definitely appreciate your support of the industry. Just personally, I guess I'd worked as a journalist in the game for for some time before joining Speed Cafe and you know it was a uh, it was a big 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 task that, that we that we set ourselves to launch it the sort of first dedicated motorsport website in Australia to just be just be online no charge uh, you know free free for everyone to to be around, uh, you know, a few other places um, had had tried some online stuff, but no one had ever done it uh, properly. And um, I'm really proud to have been the inaugural editor for it. You um, you burnt me out after uh, after three years and uh, handed the mantle on to others. But um, I guess I'm 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 proud to uh, have been a part of that, and also uh, you know super proud to see. That it continues to kick on, kick on strong, and just uh, listening to you here, the the values and the um, and, and all those things behind it just uh, just remain the same from exactly like it was day one in late October two thousand and nine, all those years ago. Yeah, I think I told you, mate, from day one, the haters will hate. We'll just get on with doing what we're doing. So uh, we've managed to do that. We've had plenty of hurdles over the way. We haven't always had 
you know, the uh, the right cooperation from people in different places of power, but we're still here and many of them are not. So um, that's one thing that I, uh, I, I get a bit of a smirk on my face about. And the other thing is that people don't realise that, you know, we talked about the A1GP weekend. We actually launched BKFA that weekend. Yeah, there was a bit uh, going on in the stuff. old band media. Just, which was just, you know, I mean, I think I had, you know, I averaged like an hour and a half sleep for 10 days during that whole period, and that's all documented in the book. But, you know, like it was just an amazing achievement from a small group of people to uh, one save the event, re- launch a new website. And I think... Uh, you know, uh, I think we had 852 page views the first day or something. Uh, now we average well over 100,000. Our year first day, four. first day was 888 page views. 888. Yeah. Roland Dane. Roland, Roland was in there from the word go. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still rumours about him owning it, which is an absolute classic. Um, but, uh, yeah, what we achieved was, uh, was pretty amazing. And as you know, we now we average well over a hundred thousand and we're the leading independent motorsport site in the world, which is, um, you know, something, you know, as you said, you're proud of what I'm proud of. And, you know, really everyone in, in Australia has helped us get to where we are, being that, you know, we're at the other end of the earth compared to where all the other stuff's happening and we've taken on the big boys and, um, and we know that they, they're, you know, whether it's in England or the US, wherever they are, we're the first ones they kick on when they get up in the morning. So that's a nice feeling. All right, mate, that's enough free plugs for today. We're going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. And uh, Crush, we look forward to seeing you at a racetrack real soon. Yep, likewise. It'd be great, Antonio. I look forward to seeing you hopefully behind the wheel of uh, that Mustang at some point. And uh, we all get to go out and have some fun. Yeah, me too, mate. Stay safe. You too. Thanks, boys. Man, that guy can plug a sponsor and uh, tell a good story. I really enjoyed that chat. I mean, it's probably one of the longest interviews that we had, but it was so interesting to hear what he's been up to about his book, about his website, what he's trying to do, the indie race, all this stuff that I didn't really know he had such a, 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 um, a big push on in the background. So that was really interesting, and uh, thanks for you know getting him on board today, Grant. Yeah, he's always great for a yarn, and uh, he had so many yarns he decided to write a book about him about himself. So uh, I've um, had my opportunity to uh, read through that. There's probably a few lies in there. I reckon. Uh, I reckon quite a few <laughs> little tall tales, but um, but always one for a a great chat. He knows the game. Uh, he he's passionate. He's really passionate about the, the sport and whatever he puts his uh, puts his mind to, then you know you've got very little chance of, of stopping him from doing it. So um, we look forward to seeing you know what the future is for Speed Cafe and and uh, you know really they've been the leader in mm. the news world over the uh, over the past few years. Obviously because I started it and <laughs> set such a high benchmark. Now you it. set a fantastic foundation. For it to, to grow and you were an, an integral part of that first part I, I remember those times working around the clock trying to cover all the stories that were coming at you I mean that's not an easy task in itself so you got it easy these days really uh, I don't know I did <laughs> I don't know I, anything that I do I always find some way to convolute it and make it more confusing but look I, I guess um, I did mention to crush that I'm 
so proud to see that it keeps kicking goals and they've had mm. but it, the reason it's kicked the goals is because it's always had great people involved mm. and and a few of those in particular when i was at the adelaide 500 in 2010 i had this young south australian kid come walk over to me about two minutes before this press conference um, which was Tony Cochran and a, a bunch of the drivers launching. I can't remember exactly what it was called. It was like the the triple challenge or the triple mm. the triple. If you won the Adelaide 500, mm -hmm. the Bathurst 1000, and the Sydney 500, I think it was. Yeah. If you won all of those races, yep. they were going to give you a million bucks. Yeah, right. So that was that was a, a, a prize, and um, there's there's uh, obviously didn't win that. Uh, you did not, <laughs> and no one no one won that prize. But it was uh, it was kind of a cool little thing. Anyway, it's about to start, and this uh, skinny wobbly little kid walks over and says, "Oh, hey, you're Grant from Speed Cafe. I'd like to work with you one day." And I thought, "What? Like, mm. who are you? Pick I'm about up, to just do this thing. Can yeah. you um, can you let, let's maybe talk a little bit later." Anyway, I did talk to him later. His name is Stephen Bartholomeus, and he is like the preeminent young motorsport journalist that, that is currently in, in the sport. And reckon, uh, uh, he now works. He, he, um, as, soon as, I'd, as soon as I'd met him and fobbed him off after yeah. that first, first time, and he kept harassing me for a while, he, was, uh, he started contributing to Speed Cafe. I realised very quickly, hang on, this kid's actually pretty good. He knows what mm. he's talking about. Got him to come over and work for Speed Cafe, and he yeah, effectively led the, um, the website for his, for his time there after I left, mm. and now has gone on to work for supercars.com. In, in there in, in supercars editorial department and and the other guys Tom Howard as well like mm. um, he also has left speed cafe but a was able a trend to, happening here. he was able to pick up that mantle after after Stefan and, and really run with it he really really well liked mm. um, in the in the industry you know all the way through our TCR and s5000 mm. categories through the supercars paddock you know everyone knew who Tom was he was such a nice guy he's just moved over to the UK I still get to talk to him uh, like t t twice or three times a week through uh, when we do some little um, secret online racing mm. games on our PlayStation uh -huh. with a couple of other guys as well. So, uh, yeah, Crush has set up a an excellent website. Mm -hmm. I feel that I, I helped contribute to that, the strong foundation, but he's had excellent guys working, working yeah. for him, and yeah. that's been the key. I can imagine uh, he's a really passionate guy, Perhaps not the easiest guy to work for all the time. Would that be right? Wow. Well, yeah, we've had, uh, as he sort of mentioned, we'd had a couple of stouches. We mm. had some big stouches. Mm. The best the best one, <laughs> this is probably the longest podcast ever, but this is kind of a cool, funny story. Uh, Speed Cafe was had a, a Melbourne base, which I was working from, and uh, the BAM group had their Gold Coast base. Mm -hmm. And we did uh, weekly whips where we'd um, all come together and Crush would tell us the way of the world and we'd all go through our various departments and talk about what's going on. And uh, Crush was um, berating me in front of the group um, and, and it was, I was always the first target. Like mm. the, the, You could see the Crush had um, you know bits of P media clients or PR clients and, and other things going on, but Speed Cafe was his real passion and that was the very first thing that he'd talk about and he might have started each conversation with yeah speed cafe is going really well the numbers are phenomenal phenomenal yeah. but 
this this is missing and where's yeah, this yeah, and yeah. why isn't that happening and why aren't we doing this and whatever. Anyway, I kind of got a little bit upset um, one day after he'd uh, sprayed me in front of the group and I threw a pen at the computer that was uh, that we were doing the chat with and the pen hit the hit the key to end the phone call. <laughs> and I've th- like I, there was a good 2 3 meters that I've thrown this pen and I didn't mean to hang up on the call. It mm. was just fluky and I thought that's just Skype poetry right there that uh, the gods gods wanted that phone call to end. Yes, uh, look, I'm sure he had your best intentions at heart and uh, he's just trying to push the the brand and, and get to new heights. So really good podcast today, Grant. Well done on lining up those guests because I do sweet F all. I just rock up on the day and even drink your beer. But we do have some uh, a competition winner. Each week yep. that we're running a competition, we're giving away uh, our Trash Your Treasure uh, so this week we do have a a winner to announce and a great response as well. We had uh, about fifteen people. That's not bad because we've only got like twelve that subscribe. I think. Yeah, and no, no, we ticked. Uh, no, we've got a hundred and fourteen people who are uh, follow into our Facebook and we're giving page. away. Yeah, we're giving away free stuff. So it's on facebook.com forward slash parked up podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to that every week. We'll put up a photo of some of our trash that you can turn into your treasure. Mm-hmm. So who's and, our and winner all, this week? All we're asking is for you to tell us why you should get that. And uh, there's a young kid on here. Uh, I assume he's young, but his name is Harrison Fitzner. And uh, he says in here as a young aspiring motorsport journalist, uh, keeping in the theme of the speed cafes and yep. the, the journo chat. It would be cool to boost my knowledge of the sport by reading 2006 Annual. So that was a book that I used to write. That's one of the prizes. There's also a couple of hats in there mm. and a photo and some posters. Harrison, that is in the post. It's on the way. It might take like four weeks to get there. Australian Post is struggling oh, at the moment, trying to keep up with big it. Big time, big time. But that is it. The second Our Trash Your Treasure has been given away. Mm-hmm. And Tony, you have sorted yes. some trash for, uh, but it's not really well, trash. Not You've tr- actually got to someone to, is this our first sponsor? Is I think our- it is a little bit, yeah. A, a, my good friend, Dean Samet from Evolve Driving, who I do a lot of driver training with, runs a really, really uh, schmick operation all around the country. And obviously he's not doing a lot of events at the moment, but he thought it was a really good way to advertise the business while, you know, we're, we're not doing track days or corporate days or anything like that. So he's been kind enough to donate our next competition prize, which is going to be a hat, a polo shirt, and a drink bottle. So that's pretty cool. Pretty that's cool. pretty cool. So it's got a Volvo driving on it. Um, you could act if you wore it all, like the hat and the polo shirt. You could like be uh, a driver trainer imposter and come and coach at Sandown or Phillip Island or Bathurst or Taylor Bend, wherever we're at next, and we wouldn't know the difference. So <laughs> that's a really cool prize. So thank you to Dean uh, for donating that prize, and uh, we're going to send the the winners uh, the hat, the polo, and the uh, drink bottle. Thank you very much to Evolve Driving for donating that prize. Great. Thank you, Evolve Driving. That's great. Another cool prize. 
Uh, that's not really our trash. It's someone else's trash, but it can be your treasure. And all you've got to do is uh, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Parked Up Podcast. That is it for week eight and definitely our longest ever podcast. It's... If you've made it through this far, you've done really well. Thanks, mum. Yeah, thanks for listening and happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. Have a fantastic day. I hope you get spoiled. Uh, I'm going to do my best to spoil my mum, but also my wife. So, uh, yeah, Oscar's going to probably make some pancakes or something like that and make Steph feel mighty special. Happy Mother's Day to all the great mums out there, all the great wives, especially to my wife and my mother, and we'll see you next week. Ciao.